and welcome to James Bond and Friends. Uh, as usual, James Bond was preoccupied this week on a mission, so I'm your fill-in host, James Page, co-founder of mi6hq.com and mi6 Confidential Magazine, of which the first issue of 2021 is now shipping from mi6confidential.com. As some parts of the world we live in are slowly reopening from the pandemic, we thought we'd take a meandering walk down memory lane for the past 12 months of lockdown. We're going to do it through the lens of James Bond's world in a Sesame Street, A to Z, or A to Z format, depending on where you're from. So joining us for this epic adventure is Bill, Sean, Ben, Bill, and Lisa. Would you like to introduce yourself, guys? Uh, hi, I'm Bill Koenig. Um, hi, I'm Sean Longmore, and I'm a graphic designer. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, this is Ben Williams. I write for MI6HQ.com and the magazine MI6 Confidential. This is Phil Mobile Jr., editor of Fangoria Magazine, contributor to MI6 Company. Uh, Dr. Lisa Funnel, author of The Geographies, Genders, and Geopolitics of James Bond, editor of For His Eyes Only, The Women of James Bond, and host of the License to Critique podcast. So it'll make you go last, Lisa, now, so nobody feels bad to try to follow you. <laughs> hey, you better watch out. I got more books coming soon. <laughs> I'm a busy woman. I was We're putting that. We're going to have a two-title plug limit, I think, uh, in 2020. I think she should just have a little asterisk. Just, she just says, I'm Lisa Final, asterisk, and, at the, and then in the note that you could just put <laughs> two or three pages of her accomplishments. I know a guy who used to get in fights, and he would punch the dude out and then say his name and say, Google me. Like, <laughs> I think Lisa, Lisa might want to adopt that in 2021. I've tried, though. There's issues with my Google thing where they have, like, the wrong title and stuff like of, of my professional title and they've told me that for some reason they can't change it and they're like we need like confirmation and i'm like but my university profile says it i don't know google's been a pain in my butt i've tried to change it about 10 times so i'm just mm. gonna go in and, and alter it all uh myself <laughs> and just make up crazy facts about it <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna run through bonds year a to z a to z um get a point if you can come up with a good idea that starts with a letter um this is fast and loose. Funny ones get double points if I if we laugh. Um, so who wants to kick it off with the letter A? Yeah, well, I, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll start then. Um, I just put April Fools um, by by not getting a movie in April twice. Um, <laughs> so I I, 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 I I guess kind of our expectations were often sort of fixed on on having an April release. And mm. it does sort of seem that 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 didn't happen so twice twice right. so i think that that's kind of um i think it's fairly big news for 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 bond this last year so yeah well mine's adjacent to ben's mine is a is for almost almost came out in april almost came out in november <laughs> almost was called a reason to die <laughs> almost right. almost has us convinced it's coming out this april <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty true well, when I read your instructions, it said things about like James Bond in the world, but also our experiences. Yes. Of James yeah. Bond. And so yeah. I put A is for apple juice and vodka. This has been <laughs> my drink of choice um, through watch along podcasts and, and just drinking in general, uh, even though I'm drinking like sparkling cranberry juice and stuff like that today. But that's just because it's it's fizzy and it's going to not be fizzy tomorrow. So anyways, but uh, apple juice and vodka was was Very mine. Good. Um, my a my a was alternate angles because I wonder how many times we're going to see Bond jump off the bridge in Matera. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. 
and and alternate backgrounds as well um, yes james because we don't need to have that town in the background let's just no, we'll it. cgi that out yeah you know? CGI. It'll go all the way to it'll go all the way to italy and then cgi italy out yeah um, sorry what <laughs> yeah they replaced the background of the bridge with a fake uh skyline oh good yeah is, is this in the all in in the long shots not just the close-ups uh yeah i think it does like i'll 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 tweet you a um a comparative shot that I've got somewhere uh which is basically the long shot of him jumping off the bridge uh in the original trailer has the town in the background am I right saying this James yeah. Yeah. and in and in the updated trailer they've recolor graded it but I've also CGI'd the town out into a kind of a generic rock face well the trailer was littered with it including like the plane in Cuba that was all CGI yeah. Well, and, and the plane going in the water, because as was pointed yep. out when we reviewed it, the wings would break off. Yeah. I'm I'm more worried. Does does this mean we won't get any shots now of like when they do a car chase, you won't see crowds of people stood around? Because that's part of the fun, isn't it, of a Bond car chase is spotting like who's stood there just watching, who's okay. actual that's extra, good. and who's just there. Uh, okay, uh, I'll go. I'll go with my A. That's okay. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I've gone for Arterton wish she didn't find the stationery and this is of course the news article that's come out that Gemma Arterton kind of regrets being Strawberry Fields yeah which was the most read news story we put on the website in all of 2020 which is amazing because Reddit latched onto that thing yeah it's not the first time she said it either she's pulling a Jane Seymour already. I mean you know I it's not like it's uh, it's it's really affected her career too badly. I would say. Like um, started it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I think um, you know, I can understand why you why you might not love it in terms of it being the film that's quite mostly forgotten, I guess, out of Craig's tenure. Um, but yeah, I think it's. You know, I don't think it's anything to be particularly ashamed of. But I also think it's possibly the role. I mean, um, the character of Camille Montez is very strong and empowered and not overtly sexualized in that film, whereas Strawberry Fields, the role was to be sort of that typical traditional um, Bond woman. And I think that as an actor, you might look back at some of the early roles and the early opportunities that you have. And, and she's not the first actor to do this. I know someone like Lucy Liu has done this and said, uh -huh. I had to do all of these roles in order to gain star power, in order to be able to take on the roles that I wanted to take on. And I think maybe she just looks back and it's, it's a point in time where it was a job. It was certainly a step, but it's not something that she wants to talk about a lot, even though it definitely helped to raise her star persona, raise her visibility, and possibly help her to get additional roles. So I think it has to do possibly with the role itself rather than maybe the film itself. Um, and, and yet she's incredibly popular on social media. <laughs> I mean, I see pictures of her all the time. Mm -hmm. So fans, fans have really liked her and fans have supported her in her other roles. So who knows, maybe in 20 years she will reverse course again. Yes. But I think for now she's just sort of waxing and waning through sure. uh, the phases. It's a journey, right? She's <clears throat> she's she's at that phase of, of her reconciling with that part of her life and that role. What grates and what bristles for me is when uh, when the, the fanboys act as if she uh, is committing some cardinal sin by just being candid, by having an opinion, mm -hmm. by daring to have an opinion other than a company line. Um, 
and it was on one of these forums as like strawberry fields goes woke and and it's just such a shitty uh binary way to look at the whole thing mm-hmm. you know let her let her sort it out if she was 21 when she made it that makes her what 33 or so now let her let her have that journey she'll mm-hmm. she'll come back around she'll get comfortable maybe and if she doesn't who cares like it, it was she, she's not beholden to this franchise the way i don't know anyone on this podcast is uh mm-hmm. she, you know we're a lot more invested in this franchise than she is and yeah it's well. it's 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 sometimes it's a weird sobering moment to see that people just sort of got on with their lives after being part of the franchise. Well, um, I think we all had regrets in our early twenties, don't we? So, well, <laughs> yep. and, I was, yeah. and also when you read the full quotes, it's like it's a lot more mixed. I mean, it's pretty toothless. I mean, it's yeah. not it's not a very venomous comment. No, yeah. no, not at all. Um, Anybody with any more A's? I was just going to say we'll have to do a, a twenty-six part podcast. <laughs> next week b yeah. right. <laughs> right b i'm gonna go first and say bella freud scribbled merch uh-huh. <laughs> which i don't know anybody bought because i've seen no pictures of po- people posting it anyway so yeah it seems like a, a gift that a, a well-off aunt might get you because oh you like bond and then you go oh, thanks and then you kind of <laughs> don't post it on social right Right. Yeah, you just break it out for when she comes over that day. Yeah, and you know, wipe the wipe the dust off it, and try and, and, and she's like the sticker's still underneath it. You're like, oh, <laughs> comes a pen holder. It yeah. is. I have a Bill Koenig's uh, never ending no time to <laughs> <laughs> whatever timeline that he's doing his purgatory in the world of Vaughn. Um, so, Bill, you made my list. <laughs> I'm so sorry you're, you're going through this. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it. I also have a B. Um, it's a little obvious, but uh, Barbara Broccoli, who uh, among her highlights this year was not being told that MGM was shopping around no, no right. time to die to streaming service, and apparently uh, hit the brakes pretty hard on that. Uh, MGM was already having trouble getting someone to pay the price they want but uh but to not tell her or eon or dan jack oh oh by the way uh we've been shopping this around for however long we've been shopping it around i i have a so so mine is a babs broccoli's big budget um (laughs) so this was the news that um no time to die is gonna cost what about a quarter of a billion dollars yes something crazy It goes up every day. It's approaching 290. It was it was approaching 290 million as of June 30th. Yeah, and at a million bucks a month, it's going to be probably 300 by the time it comes out. It's hard to even like think about that kind of money, isn't it? Yeah, but as as one commentator once said, it was like that's the price of a wing of a fighter jet. So you know that the government spends. So it's all relative. But but fighter jets don't have to earn a profit. True. In, in terms of government spending, it's a drop in the bucket. But for private enterprise, three hundred yeah. million is a lot of money. Did, didn't they spend about twenty million before they'd even started filming this iteration? Seven, se- it was seventeen million on Danny Boyle's version. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, that was like Pinewood Reynolds set building, right? Because payments to Danny Boyle and John Hodge. 
17 million. That's 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 movie making economics. Um, might be something I heard more about in 2020 than I was expecting to. But I first want to add that Lisa just put an image in my head when she said Bill's never ending thing. So now I'm picturing Bill like Conan on the Wheel of Pain. <laughs> you know, where it's just in circles, just keeps going. Because um, it was a Sisyphus, a Sisyphus thing earlier, but now, yes. now Bill is very much like Conan at the wheel. So thank you for that, Lisa. Um, <laughs> for the, the, the B that I heard a lot about in 2020, which surprised me, was Bond 26. And it, right. it strikes me as, as we, we are so addicted to hype at this point and, and anticipation that when, when thwarted about a film that we actually know is existing and coming and we're getting pieces of it, we're, there's a certain section of fandom that's sort of scuttling that to the side to focus on 26 <laughs> and who's right. going to play Bond. And, and, this, and, and, it's, um, and will, will Chris Nolan finally direct one? And it's uh, frustrating yeah. to watch that people can't sort of be in the moment uh, to that mm. Where we've got enjoy what you have kind of play with the toys you got at christmas kind of thing right Ooh, is... yeah yeah and i'm going to come back to that on another letter but that's three hours right. from now so <laughs> <laughs> how about c I'll, I'll i'll roll this one out then with the crowdfunding to buy the north american <laughs> 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 yeah. what i love about that story ben is they got the currency wrong yeah <laughs> And then when they fixed the currency, they also like inflated the price, and that price became the same amount that MGM wanted to sell the movie for. <laughs> it worked out. It yeah, worked out. It except, was... except they didn't make a sale. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I just loved the idea that somebody was going to end up with the, the rights to distribute this without any of the, the infrastructure to, to do that. Um, and... <laughs> can, can, I, can I give you an update on this 607 million pound goal? Oh yeah, please do. 850 quid. Nice. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, on the on the theme of dodgy distribution rights, uh, my C is Casino Royale 67 comes more than once a year, and this was when yeah. I've I figured we've all probably rewatched Bond quite a lot this year, uh, mm. and when I was thinking about it doing this list. Uh, Casino Royale 67 is the one I have watched most this year. Really? Wow. I've watched it four times this year. <laughs> I'm not sure why. At the start of lockdown, I was reading a lot into sort of like behind the scenes stuff. And I've always found it really fascinating. And then I, I was, then I, then I, I got hold of like, uh, I had paid, I paid quite a lot of money to have a, the expanded CD soundtrack imported over to Mm. So after I paid that and listened to it, I was like, well, I want to listen to it again in the film. Then I think I just watched it for fun. And mm. then I showed it to someone else. I, I, I don't think many people I, have said that. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. I love that. Was it, was it, was it George Carlin's skit when he does these things humanity's never said before? And like <laughs> watching, watching Casino Royale 67 for fun. I think we've broken new ground here, Sean. <laughs> Sean, did you figure out the plot? Four times. <laughs> um, no, no, I think I'm probably more confused than I ever used to be. The, the one line that always that just keeps throwing me that I can't get my head around is when Vesper at the end says, this time I'm doing it for love. What? <laughs> <laughs> Should be, I'm doing it for money, which is I think you've seen it. Um, Three more times this year than I've seen it in my entire life. So, <laughs> congratulations. 
Can I throw one in for David, who's not with us today? Yeah. And he wanted he wanted C for copyright takedowns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially, especially the first couple of days of the Matera filming, when like private citizens were filming things with their own phones, and MGM were complaining to Twitter to have them DMCA'd by some like Eastern European copyright company. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah which is not cool, Paul. Um, and also, well, Calvin's video is getting taken down by MGM. Yeah, which is you know, he gets them back up, but he loses his traffic for a couple of weeks, which is not very cool. So. I have another C that will maybe perk us back up. Do it. Um, crappy original James Bond posters. And so I mean the ones that the franchise was putting out and not the ones that Sean Longmore makes. Um, which I'm just going to publicly put out my publicly put out my my plea, which I've already plead in in private to Sean for a Michelle Yeoh fan poster. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. I put it out into the world now that when you get around to it, take my money. Hey, yeah, <laughs> have a podcast, Sean, and commit to it. Oh, this is, I knew I was opening a Pandora's box making a Christmas Jones poster. Which is a very good C yeah. example as well. That Christmas yeah. Jones blew up. People, people, who knew? People, who knew people, people really love Christmas Jones. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. it, that yeah. thing exploded. I saw that reposted in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. so. No, but well, thank you, everybody. You're too kind. Um, I have a similar thing, but later down the alphabet for that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, here's my C. C for celebrity, specifically Ana de Armas's level of celebrity mm. and the oh. fact that Knives Out probably made her too famous for what's going to amount to a pretty small part in No Time to Die. Yes. Yeah. Won't be Madonna level distracting, but it will be the closest thing that Craig's run has had to it. And it's interesting that, like, who, who was instrumental in her being in the Bond film? Daniel Craig, who starred next to her in Knives Out, and he knew she was the damn lead of that movie and had yeah. probably an inkling that it was going to do a lot for her career and then gave her a five-minute part in No Time to Die, probably. Which should have been Felix's bits, but yeah. Right. So, you know, was this some alpha move to, like, reassert the dynamic for, for Daniel Craig? What was, what was he thinking? I don't know, but she's ranked higher than Daniel Craig on the IMDb Starometer. So if you go to the No Time to Die page, she's the number one listing. There you go. <laughs> Which I think, you know, I, I love Jeffrey Wright, but I don't think he would have been right in that dress. No, <laughs> no, no. They couldn't sell him on those high kicks, even with CGI, probably. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I'm partially guilty of this. I'm, I'm, I think she's the thing I am most excited for with the film. And I, I know she's only going to be in five minutes, but... She's going to steal the show. I'm, yeah. I'm almost yeah. sure of it. But it's an interesting... Uh, you know, um, James has talked often about there's something in this movie. We don't know what it is yet, but there's something in this movie that's going to like ripen and turn, and it's going to make the eventual movie uh, not sit right, right? And it's yeah. talking about people yeah. being canceled and whatnot. But I think yeah. this is one of the candidates. It's like yeah. you've got this giant movie star who wasn't a movie star when she made the <laughs> right. film. Right. And yeah, and it's going to look it's going to look so ridiculous that they didn't use more of her. Right. Mm. Or yeah. it'll it'll lead to a Paloma spinoff if she survives. Just saying. Now. Now, now there's a poster I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Even now if she doesn't probably... survive, they can have a prequel. Yeah. Like could, they could... Origin story. Yeah. Could, could the small part the work other. in her could the small part work in her favor though? Mm -hmm. Um in the way that like um She'll get away clean if the movie's a disaster. <laughs> well that and um if I'll leave people wanting more, right? I mean, if she yeah. is great like like Judy Dench in Shakespeare in Love. Oh mm. right. Why not? Does she get a spin-off? 
<laughs> she got an Oscar. She got an Oscar for eleven minutes oh, or whatever sorry, it was. I, I, I guess I was distracted though. I just suddenly thought of Judy Dench having her own spin-off action mm-hmm. film. I'll yeah, add it to the list of posters. <laughs> Queen Elizabeth not in love. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot of people saw it, but <laughs> Shakespeare and swipe left. <laughs> um, I got I got another C which is creative differences. Mm. Which we Ooh. saw more of in twenty twenty with Dan Roma getting booted from the Ooh. soundtrack. Right. And um, they parachuted in the Hans Zimmer Sausage Factory <laughs> for soundtracks. Just well, turn the handle, a soundtrack pops up. Well, there goes my Z. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, you should have no, known. No, no, it doesn't. I, I, think, I think I have the same Z. And I've got one other related. <laughs> See, the Family Feud helped me because I was like, what's everybody going to say for Z? I'm going to go this way. So I, right. you know, guessing what uh, that was going to be popular helped me to make the alphabet. Who's got a D? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll roll one out, um, which is, um, <laughs> roll that D out. I'll roll that D out. <laughs> uh, we'll be off soon. Don't worry. Um, I can't do it now. Uh, that's what she said. Um, uh, I was going to say that the, the death of, um, death of cinema, um, um, and being, being laid squarely on the shoulders of die another day. Uh, sorry, people keep finding new reasons to hate that movie. <laughs> arguments, arguments could be made. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, I'm, um, I don't know where that came from. Um, but basically, yeah, that the, there was obviously this whole uh, at one point uh, close to November that they were they were potentially saying that if uh, No Time to Die didn't come out into the cinemas, mm-hmm. uh, it, would, it would be the responsible for the the, the death of cinema. Yeah. Somebody said, um, yeah. "Well, Reuters has already flipped that because they had a story the other day. Uh, theater owners looking to No Time to Die and Black Widow to save theaters in April 21. Yeah, it's gonna be a long well, winter. Uh, to me, it's like you know they they say that as if it, um, making films is one some some way of just supporting your your local uh, businesses um, and not some massive money spending thing." Um, or that it is, you know, that they should basically ignore legitimate health concerns um, and just do it anyway. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll dovetail you, um, Ben, with D for deniers, mm. of which there were a few in the fan community who like promoted books about government conspiracies and shit in February and March. Um, haven't apologized for it, mm. but yeah. Um, I, t- Sorry, I, t- I got my, mine's a real mine's a real list of bummers, isn't it? I mean, like... <laughs> I, 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 mine was COVID idiots in C, and I didn't. I don't right. know why. I don't want to bring. <laughs> I want to bring the tone down, but I'll just wait till till uh, James does it in D. All right, I'll pick a funny one there. D for Doctor No, because you can't cut an oval in the roof of your base without people saying you're Doctor No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll go. And this and this is a, another uh, side side conversation about the <clears throat> the idea of the the film uh, sitting on a shelf while the culture maybe passes parts of it by, right? So uh, the D is for disfigurement, the villain trope to mm. No Time to Die is once again returning, and which set against the rapidly changing progressive nature of pop culture might be that time bomb that James was talking about. Every it's weird to mm-hmm. me that every Craig villain except for one, and Green yep. is short, so you maybe some people might count short as a, a disfigurement. <laughs> but but every yeah. Craig villain but one has been disfigured in some way, and over time, I think these could be the, become the most dated elements of these films. Mm-hmm. I agree one hundred percent. 
Well, they, they they even tried to make Almeric kind of like buggy eyed anyway, right? So it wasn't like I thought it was just him, and I didn't want to be rude. <laughs> uh, I mean, they were definitely going with, with with casting him. They wanted to go for for that kind of um, the description of uh, a Blofeld, I guess. You know the you know you could see the whites around his mm. eyes. Um, but yeah, I I agree. I think it's it's a a lot has changed um, this year in terms of like we we it's easier to focus on the on on the negative things that have have happened, but there have been a lot of uh, positives in terms of um, kind of diversity and, and inclusion and and trying to move away from some of these uh, negative stereotyping, and um, I think kind of disfigurement in in films being projected as a, as a negative thing it's been hopefully we're, we're moving away from that um and i think bill sorry phil is absolutely right in saying that this will be this will look a little bit odd i think coming out mm-hmm. does and historically disability activism has often been separate from when we look at civil rights activism it's oftentimes members who are part of these communities um who identify with having a disability who've done like all the hard work all pushing legislation forward. And I think it's about time that we start talking about ability and ableism as being part of a broader conversation about representational politics and the messages being conveyed. And if it happens in one film, that's one thing, but you're talking about every film except one having the same trope over and over and over again, especially when the British Film Institute has spoken out against it. And there've been media, like social media campaigns against it. And they still went in that direction. And, and um, it's, it's, I mean, I've seen a few people say, oh, but then, you know, it's a challenge for script writers. You can write a good villain without having um, facial disfiguration as being part of it. You know, that actually, it's not a limitation. It just opens up opportunities to develop villains from the inside out in different and multifaceted ways. So that's sort of my challenge to, to, to people who are crafting these types of narratives. Maybe we don't sort of take the easy visual signifiers that are so deeply problematic and that we challenge ourselves maybe to visualize and envision villains in a different type of way. Mm. I think it's, it's, it's doubly interesting in this case because Rami Malek was so vocal about how he said, I don't want to play his foreignness right. as, as a villainous trait. So the, 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 the ideas of representation and, and, uh, and at least xenophobia was on their minds uh, mm-hmm. when they were doing this, but it seemed perfectly fine to, to burn him up like on his face. Um, and maybe there's a plot relevant thing to it, but I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. Another D, which is Danny Boyle, who's enjoying 2020 way more than he would have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His Beatles I... movie just sitting on HBO at this point. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so my D is, uh, do you expect me to talk? No, I expect you to pay £250 for stickers. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's something, it's something we've seen over and over again this year. Yes, with the luggage labels. <laughs> <clears throat> I always like to point out the context that those $250 stickers were meant to be stuck on $4,000 luggage. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> In the pictures, like, if you go and source that suitcase, it's a $4,000 like, pull-along thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. I guess now we know where that $250 million budget went. Well, they've got to get it back somehow, right? <laughs> should, we, should, we, should we go on to uh, e. e, for which I have nothing? All right. 
I got Edinburgh Airport that won't be renamed Sean Connery. No. Um, I'm starting the obit rule. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's a fine line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a bit of a slap in the face, but it's the end, isn't it? Oh, did I go I, there? I did. <laughs> we we can kind of get Diana Rig in here with mine, Lisa, because I went for expensive, sexy cougar, which is talking about oh. um, the Mercury Cougar went on auction recently and sold yeah. for a lot of money. A lot. Yeah, three hundred fifty, three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, it was about double yeah. the estimate, wasn't it? Yeah. Is it? Isn't there like four of them? Yes, three, three or four of them. Yeah, right. Because this I, was the this is the mint condition one because it wasn't right, actually right. driven. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the one you'd want to put in a museum out of the three or four of them. Right. Because I've driven one of the others. Oh, oh no. Previous podcast. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and let me tell you, it's, uh, it reminds you they make cars a lot better now. They do. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, the brakes, no power, no power brakes, you're pressing. Yeah, you're up on there hard. like Flintstone. Yeah, almost. My almost. first car was a 67 Mustang, and I had to, like, my butt was off the seat when I was braking. Yeah. <laughs> just full on and the and and the steering wheel you know ever see an old movie where where they're you know the guy's driving and moving the steering wheel a lot there's a reason for that they had lots of gift you had to yes. drive that so i have an e go mm-hmm. eve money penny and felix Leiter will be in the same film for the first time in the daniel craig era yeah oh, very cool well now, yeah will there be any scenes together probably not no my e for Eilish. Mm, that's a good one. Another unexpected choice. Uh, and the result of one of my favorite bits of No Time to Die Press this year, which was a, a, a mainstream <laughs> outlet explaining that MI6 uh, had to explain to its readers who Billie Eilish was. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. Oh, I know. It's, it was all true. It was hilarious. Um, but, you know, the, the, the bigger point is that I think it's, it's an interesting thing to see the franchise reaching to a new generation. Even if they're repeating a mistake from 1985, which is dropping a hot new pop act onto an old man swan song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good parallel. It's weird, right? Um, yeah. But you know, uh, the 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 uh, the ticking clock of it all is interesting to me when when they reach out to an 18 year old to do the pop song, do the title theme song. Well, of course, now she's celebrating another birthday because of the delay. So now she's 19. She might be old enough to drink by the time this movie comes out. Yeah. She might be retired by the time this movie comes <laughs> Comfortably retired. Right, I drew a blanket F, so if anybody has an F, F, it's fine. I have an F. Uh, how I about Terry Fukunaga? Let's I see what he's got. Get, I just wanted to say what the Fukunaga. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was all I, Bill, Bill's absolutely right. It's, it's the, the most sort of, uh, obvious one. He just does seem to jump out as the you know the, the one of the more interesting characters in in Bond um, the filmmaking that we've had for a long time. Absolutely. But my F on that, um, I went for um, fucking love Funko Pops. I do. Uh, so I'm the guy that collects Funko Pops. I love them. Uh. Uh, you're doing so well, Sean. I know. There's a kick button, isn't there? I, I have a little Roger Moore here, and he's in a space suit with a Union Jack oh. and everything. Very fun. See? But you must be punished. 
Yeah. <laughs> you to one Wyland poster sent to Lisa's house. <laughs> That's right. Hey, like you hey. guys, a little industry secret on Funko Pops. The reason they get all the licenses is because the models do not look like anything like the actual actors right. and actresses. So they don't have to. They don't have to pay them any royalties, and all the money goes to the licensee. Free money. Free money. So that's why the licensees are all very happy with Funko Pops because they don't have to give them, share the money. Make it rain. Which is why Shirley Eaton was called, quote, unquote, Golden Girl on the box, so they didn't have to pay her. Wow. Yeah. One of two dead women in the Funko Pops line. The other one. First woman. The other one is Laura Palmer from Twin Peaks. Well, technically, Judy Dench. Well, no, no. I mean, depicted as dead. Because, oh, depicted as dead. Because oh, yeah. Laura's wrapped in plastic, and, and that girl, uh, Shirley, is never alive, painted gold in the movie. Oh, no, true. She, has a, she has her eyes closed on the Funko Pop. It's a mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe she's, maybe she's, you know, struggling to, between life and death. At the point <laughs> <of you. laughs> not better. Not, yeah. not better, yeah. No, no, that's why I'm trying to make it like, even... It, like, so when she's in the little plastic box that you get her in, you know, she might just have a couple of seconds of air left. And... <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's that, so instead of Goldfinger, we'll have Funko Pop Finger. Yeah. That's, that's Actually, how sure. women, he turns them into Funko Pops. Sure, you should, uh, you should do an entire Funko Pop poster. Oh. Just oh, God, in that style, yes. Yeah, that would be really good. I love how we're just giving Sean work to do. We should do all to be punished. I have an F, but I apologize ahead of time for utilizing this one. Um, family Feud Champion, which is me. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I love you all. Oh. I love you. I love you. Sore winner. What work right. am I going to have to do now? <laughs> Calvin apologizes for not being on again. He's still waiting for his recount. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding a protest on the fix. Oh, That's yeah, right. F for fix is, is right. <laughs> Any more Fs? F, uh, the F that I enjoyed was uh, the fun that I saw glimpses of in the trailers and whatnot. There's, there's, some, there's some wry humor in there that's happening. It's, you know, we... we the, the easy layup is that this Bond era is very dark and dour and grim and, and pulling t- from, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Nolan Batman series. But there is some funny stuff happening in here, and, and I'm hoping that it's not shoehorned at the last minute. I'm hoping it's, it's uh, you know, a, a prevalent. A bit of natural. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's my dream. Is, even if it is natural humor, is it going to still look a little bit goofy because of the context of the other films? Uh, I don't, it's possible. I don't, I don't know. It's, mm. uh, you know, the, 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 the Phoebe Waller bridge of it all is where we're going to see the difference. She's, she's just better at dialogue than a lot of some of those first draft jokes that still ended up on the screen in, in the last right. three movies. Uh, so, you know, my hope is that it lands and that it lands correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. you have to sort of have some faith that Craig can do humor, uh, at a level that he hasn't really been given a chance to do beyond. Maybe Knives Out, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, <clears throat> the, the idea that, that the, the franchise has to have some humor to it uh, has been I've, – I've been encouraged by what I've seen so far somehow. Yeah. I'd love it if in the, in, in, if in the looping booth they got Craig to do a take of the whole film in Benoit Blanc voice. Yeah. 
<laughs> just as an alternate alternate audio release. We all have our secret. G. Um, I say so. My G was a gun barrel question mark because <laughs> mm. uh, I feel like I saw uh, probably towards the start of the year there was a lot of conversation of what will the gun barrel in No Time to Die be? Um, a lot of people seem to suggest that the shot of him walking down the corridor would be a gun barrel. I don't know how that would work. That's the end of the movie, though. It's late in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they just randomly stick it in like three quarters of the way in. <laughs> yeah. Lisa, come on, phrasing, phrasing. <laughs> I've also got it noted here as well to mention um, the sort of hidden little gun barrel in Never Say Never Again that you guys spotted on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Ago. I thought that was yeah. really neat. I've never noticed that before. That's great. Well, neither had I until we watched that. And then I was like, hang on a minute. And I went back and freeze framed it. I was like, yeah, they snuck one in, didn't they? <laughs> Good. <laughs> right at the last minute. I got G for GoldenEye 25th anniversary, which was a thing this year, because we had Pierce's somewhat labored watch along. Um, <laughs> and, and then we had the, the recent one with Martin Campbell and Famke Jansen. And we also had the GoldenEye game remake, which got slapped with a letter of cease and desist from MGM and had to rebrand themselves as Spies Don't Die. And we had the news that somebody's leaking the Xbox code for GoldenEye. So a lot of GoldenEye 2020. Mm. I, I didn't realize until I started doing my sort of fan posters in the Bond how much, how much GoldenEye is really loved and how a lot of people seem to have seen GoldenEye that's the film that people seem to have seen on their own without seeing the rest of the Bond franchise. Right. Mm. Um, and I don't think, unless I'd had okay. some context, I would have guessed that. It's the new Goldfinger. I think in a, in a, in a lot of ways it, 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 sort of, it, it sort of is. I think it partly comes down to the fact that it was the, hi, the hiatus. We've obviously had like spaces of time between films before, but it was the hiatus, a kind of a cultural paradigm shift and, and and a new bond and all of these kind of things coming together kind of made it more kind of in, interesting for you know another generation of fans to kind of get on board with so i think you know and also the the the, the video game a couple of years later so i think yeah i think there's, there's that aspect to it that, that and if, you, if you go back yeah, and if you go back and look at the media coverage of the time it's released the question was is bond still relevant so a lot of people went to see if it was mm. Mm. And, and just to like echo your point through my students a lot of them told me that GoldenEye was their first connection with James Bond so growing up the timeline sort of fits when you know you're in a certain youthful period and so now you see 15 years later people who have disposable incomes are probably going to then reach out and want to connect with this film and buy posters and talk about it um, but I think we're also going to hit sooner or later the generation where Casino Royale will take over mm -hmm. that slot I think yeah. we're, we're, it just depends on what age group you're talking about. But when I'm thinking about people in their like mid twenties, early thirties, that sort of era, they were teenagers. Right. When Goldeneye came out, and there's that big sense of nostalgia there. Do you? Um, this is something I've noticed in the past couple of years. But it, uh, we've gotten preoccupied with anniversaries too. Yeah, 
on social media especially i feel like you know i felt because it's really easy to slap a bunch of like <laughs> facts and tips and things you didn't know about and all yeah. this kind of, kind of thing but as, as lisa says you know i said something once upon a time i said the, the the review i really want to read of no time to die is is the person who grew up with this bond and there's a mm. there's a working writer in my circles who was like she was in high school when casino royale came out and she's watched each one with her dad and she said she said Oh, wait, not even high school. It might have been like grade school, high school, college, and professional now. So, I'm sorry, I was going to say I was 10 when Casino Royale came out. All right. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Did you see it when you were 10? I did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, My first one in the cinema was Dine of the Day, but I can remember seeing all of them from that. Wow. I, I, I don't even. How are you talking? (laughs) <laughs> that's a whole other podcast episode i really want to talk to a, a like a fan like yourself who grew up literally with this era and yeah it. like let's we should get into that at a later date let's get a panel together of those folks yeah. i think it's a great idea i'll add that onto my to-do list thank you yeah i put up um this year on the anniversary of another day's premiere that it was exactly 21 18 years, exactly 18 years. So if you were born the day that Dino the Day came out, it was the same day you could go drinking for the first time in the UK. Wow. <laughs> Which is a good thing to do when watching Dino the Day. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Any more Gs? Well, my G is an obvious one, but it's gadgetry. And uh, it's something that's been sort of thin in the Craig era, but, and, and you know, rightly so. And, and we talked about reprioritizing the franchise and getting away from all the baggage, but I'm I'm an easy mark for when they, kind of lean into it a little bit. And when I saw that blinking helium valve on his Omega in the last ad, I got excited. And right. uh, that stupid CGI glider submarine, I'm all in. Give me give me ridiculousness. Yeah. Let me get some ridiculousness before he goes out the door. Mm. And can he drive half a taxi as well? Your mouth to God's ears. I have a different G. I have, um, there was that period of time where Great Britain was going to go on lockdown and mm-hmm. there were still questions of whether or not No Time to Die would go forward. Would you be able to have a premiere of a Bond film without mm-hmm. having it take place in the UK at all? And so I thought that was a really interesting moment of having this franchise, which has long been identified as being like this British film series, almost being like Britain doesn't matter. And it's right. gonna, it just it's more of a global franchise. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was an interesting moment, thinking about just the scale of this and and how film markets work and how corporate markets work and things like that. Yeah. I, I can honestly see in our lifetime seeing the, the premiere of the next Bond film being in China. I can see that too. S- at some point. China market's huge. One of the most yeah. probably, I mean, the US market has long been one of the most desirable ones, but the China market, once it moved away from having its, 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 its well, being closed off and then of course gradually expanding. Yeah. There's billions of people there. Who's going to H? I have H. one. I have one. I have never heard more about hair pieces than seen <laughs> on this podcast. Like, like, never even thought of hair pieces. So I just wanted to throw it out there that that was the first thing that came to my mind was was that. Um, so, and again, it's the bill. <laughs> bill is on my mind in the work that he's done. I'm, I'm going to pick this up on a later point as well, but you guys have completely ruined that for me now because I didn't know that Sean Connery wore a hairpiece before I listened to your podcasts, and now I can never unsee it. Oh, sorry. Wow. The rite of passage for any Bond fan. Yeah. <laughs> That's the rite of passage. <laughs> Young Sean. He had to find out something. 
I got a H, which is Heineken commercial. Oh, I, got, I got the same H, but I, I worded it Heineken trolls Daniel Craig. <laughs> because, because the commercial is, and I, I thought it was really savage it's really brutal um, at the end there's just a shot of him looking really deflated on the bar and it says once right. James Bond always James, always Bond. James Bond and I thought yeah. that's yeah. really mean that's really it's like, yeah. like a curse isn't it it's, it's, it's like you know you've, you're always going to have this now you're always going to walk away the weight of the world like you just thought I'm going to retire every talk show he goes on it's going to play the tune Yep. Do, do, do we think this is his penance for saying that he would slit his wrists rather than do another one? So they said, right, you've got to be in this advert where you say you are always James Bond. I, well, I think he's just got to lean into it now. They released a couple of different versions of it with completely different storylines, just based on the editing, which is just art of the edit, right? Sure. If, everybody, if no, nobody believes how important a role editing plays, have a look at the Heineken commercials because they tell completely different stories with pretty much the same footage. Yeah. And... We've got the 17 minute version of it, and um, it's it's like a mini movie, which they cut the commercial. Is, is, is it 17 yeah. minutes about him losing his passport? It's it's the whole shebang from start to finish, 17 oh. minutes, and that's what they used to cut down all the different commercials from. Oh, man. So I want to see that. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> it was fun. Screen. It was fun watching people try. You know, like sort of drive by fans try to parse that the stills that leaked from that shoot. Like, right. Oh, shit, he's got a wedding ring on. Bond is married in this one. And oh, that tuxedo looks like shit. <laughs> and his haircut. Yeah, and his, oh, his hair's terrible. Like, it's probably not the movie yet, guys. I don't think they're filming the movie yet. Well, but, also, there was that one still that was taken during the production of the spot. Not, it's not even from the spot itself. Right. And right. Some, some poor production assistant trying to shoo away. Failing, right. failing to stop the photography. Yeah. She's dead now. <laughs> <laughs> my H, it's been covered a little bit. My H is for hope. And I'm pinning a lot of hope on Carrie Fukunaga, as, as, as uh, I think Bill mentioned, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, because everyone else involved in this production uh, has proven that they kind of can't be trusted to not deliver a, a stinker. Uh, <laughs> you know, with left their own devices. Um, <clears throat> but Carrie Fukunaga, who's done some really excellent work uh, in, on the big screen and the small screen, uh, I'm, I'm still, to this day, I'm having trouble picturing his style, such as it is, mapped to the franchise. And that's either really exciting or really worrisome. But I'm, I'm choosing hope because uh, I think we're going to see something that we've not seen before in the franchise. Uh, that, mm-hmm. along with Phoebe's voice uh, adding to the mix, I think it's going to be, you know, uh, it's, it's easy. And I do it myself. It's easy to fall into. Well, I go, oh, this is going to be Spectre Part 2. Or this is going to, they're going to copy this. this. This is just Skyfall all over again. But I think it's going to be, in the details, a new flavor that we have not seen before. So I'm excited about that. I, I absolutely agree that I'm, um, I'm really excited, even if the story's not so great, I'm really excited for the cinematography because I think that's, right. it, it's filmed in a way that I don't think we've seen before. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Any eyes? I, I, I have an eye. Um, mine was IO Interactive causes underwear washing grease. Oh. <laughs> because I imagine a lot of James Bond fans were excited to see um, a trailer that told us nothing. We don't know what it is. They probably don't even know what it is because they're working. No. They've, they've probably not even hired all the crew or the staff, but it is really exciting, isn't it, to have a new Bond game? Mm-hmm. Right. The power of anticipation. Just coasted on it. It just coasted on hype and goodwill. You know, coasting on a wave of hope. It's interesting how so much of this 
so much of the promotion and, and things around um, you know, you know, the, the release of this film have been exploiting that goodwill. And I think it's taken, fans have taken such a big hit in terms of their, their goodwill towards um, MGM and... Um, well, you and, can add the promotional partners to that list as well. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's what I mean. I, I guess there's, there's, been, there's been a hell of a, a, a problem with, um, with, with that in terms of like retaining goodwill. And I think that um, one of the things that, uh, that this game has done is kind of tried to boost that goodwill back up again. So that's, uh, that's, a, that's a positive thing. There, there, is, there stands a chance that that game could make a bigger profit than No Time to Die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it will get NAFL coverage in the trade press. You know, I'd, I'd, I, I wonder what year is it going to be that the gaming industry is taken seriously as an industry mm. compared to all the column inches that Hollywood gets. Now, do you think mm-hmm. they're fine with that? You know, there's like less of a microscope on them in a way, right? They're just yeah. free to do their business and make well, profits. Ask the cyberpunk 20, whatever it is, oh, right. guys about that, right? Because they, I mean, they, they saw the other end of that, didn't they, this year? Yeah. With, uh, with all the attention and expectations. So yeah, if they play it to low expectations, and it like GoldenEye came out, nobody's expecting that game to be any good. And it blew up into like one of the best of all time. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll try our best not to get people too excited about I have an eye. Um, interviewing my dad for my podcast, which taps into just a lot of yeah. the nostalgia that's out there. And we've talked a lot on this podcast about our family connections to the James Bond franchise, the feelings we get when we watch these films. And I think we've really sort of put a spotlight and encouraged other people who are listening to the podcast to think about their relationship with the Bond franchise and how it's rooted in, you know, their experiences at the moment seeing it. And then of course, in the time of COVID going back and <laughs> hanging on to those positive memories. That's brilliant. And to dovetail on you, Lisa, I had introducing new fans. Mm. Because during lockdown, and I think we talked about this on the last one, which is like, because the film got delayed, I think a lot of people went back and filled that gap with watching the series again. And because you're on lockdown and you're in the same house with the same people, it's like, I think new people got dragged in, whether willingly (laughs) willingly or not originally, right? Uh, Whether that's kids or spouses or whatever. Um, So I think 2020 has probably bred quite a few new fans. Um, And I wish that, MGM had popped the series on Amazon and YouTube and stuff earlier in the year. Yeah. To give somebody, I mean, think of the traction they could have got at the beginning of lockdown and said, yeah, we've delayed the film, but here you go. Here's the first 20 films uh, yeah. free to stream. Mm-hmm. Comes back to that notion of goodwill. Yeah. Right? My eye is for internet because if only Eon would listen to the internet, then they're, <laughs> They're navigating of this unprecedented economic situation, this global pandemic that happens once in a hundred years would be sorted out in five minutes if they just listened to the internet. Right. And we'd have this movie on our shelves sitting comfortably and, and, you know, without any worry about how this affects, you know, uh, 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 corporations and studios and, and the long game of, uh, financial outcomes, you know, it's, it was right there and they just left it. The internet had it sorted for them. It's a shame. Uh, right, any more eyes or are we going to go to Jay? Because we can cut to a little commercial. Like I say, Jay is for John Glenn's all-time high octopus special shipping now from oh, Confidential.com. Yeah. 
by the time you hear this, sold out in the UK and Europe, still available in the US and Canada. I'm, I'm now resume our normal programming. For I, I'm just going to say I'm reading it right now, and it's really good. So I really recommend. Thanks, Sean, yeah. and thanks, Bill, for working out too. Uh, as a reader of it, it's, re- it's just a nicely put together issue. It's really uh, handsome. It's a handsome edition, nice and perfect bound. I'm a fan. Legitimately. He <laughs> <laughs> was such a good marketing. <laughs> and it's like a really great issue. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, I, I second that. Um, have my copy. It's, uh, it's really good. Got to that not sound as enthusiastic as Phil. Jay's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought this would be an easy one. I have one. Yeah. Jetpack sightings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> James oh, always sends them to me. <laughs> yeah, you get two for that, Lisa. Two for jetpacks. Oh. Yeah. They're the real guy in LA somewhere that nobody knows who he is with a real jetpack flying around, causing <laughs> disruption to LAX. And, um, Amazing. Yeah. The hero we need. <laughs> Sorry. And he has height. Yeah, Not just like a little tiny, like he's, he's no, he's up a couple head. of thousand feet. Yeah, yeah, he's through the clouds. Yeah, does he still have the little helmet? <laughs> <laughs> up for five minutes, got, got some good height and has a little helmet, and nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna jump in with a right. I no phrasing. I think I went too far with the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so my, my J is something we briefly touched on earlier, um, but I've gone, Japanese proverbs say, Bond fan never make nest in minimalist poster. I'd like to preface this by saying that I actually really do quite like some of the No Time to Die posters. I think they're great, but there's been a lot of conversation I've seen. Yes. About about them, particularly the uh, the black and white and gold variant that we got. Um, I, I don't know about you, Sean, but the thing that puzzled me most about those was the the still they chose. Right? <laughs> What's he like, doing? He looks like have I left the oven on kind of expression. <laughs> I I wonder if they. So I I I like I do like that person. I can see what they're going for, and I can see how it would fulfill um, Eon's brief, which is obviously going for like a luxury sort of. Market, right. market thing. Um, I wonder if he's they're going for him trying to spin in the gun barrel. Yes, it's something. There's they, a bit of motion blur on there, isn't there? Yeah, they tried to do that on one of the Casino Royale posters that wasn't widely used. I think this they did it better with this one, admittedly. But he does look a bit like he's in a tailcoat as well. Yeah, yeah. It. I, I don't particularly like really any of the uh, the posters that. The official posters. To be to be really honest with you, I don't think any of them have. have it's it's have really, really interesting. Um, sorry to cut you off. It's like they no. it's like they sort of understood that a little bit earlier on because they did that really great official poster that was composite imagery with all the characters mm-hmm. inside James Bond, yeah. and it was like, oh yeah, they're finally getting it. And mm. then they did a one eighty, and we got the weird brown one with him, yeah. really blurry, walking along a wall. Yeah, I I think what's what's always kind of jumped out at me is just how what's interesting was that when they kind of put that that whole competition out there to kind of like get fans to do um, do poster art and 
you know, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, you know, they're, they're recognizing that there are a lot of fans out there who are really very good at doing mm -hmm. poster art. And, you know, there's, you know, you've only got to go on, on Google for five minutes and you can see some really great examples of this. Um, but, you know, the whole, the whole thing where they were like, yeah, and, you know, you don't get anything. You just, we keep it all. It's all right. ours. Um, it was very, it, it kind of, the, the, the spirit of it kind of got lost in, in, in that. And I think that's, that's and it that's also felt rather than, and it sort of felt like rather than, um, you know, celebrating the fans' creativity, it kind of felt a bit more like, we're not very Slave good labor. at it. We're just going to get you to do it, yeah. So, I, you know, the, on the one hand, it, it felt like a good thing. On the other hand, it, it ended up just feeling really awful. And then, am I wrong? Have they used any of those? That, no. That art? no. No. So, so, yeah, so thanks a lot. All those people who are working very hard to create something really special and then nothing, nothing came of it. Right. It, it, it's a really probably sorry. It's probably a conversation for another day. But I, 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 I do think the designer, um, he, they do they do a good job, and they're obviously they're working to a brief. Like um, I've experienced this a lot. I work in um, theatre design, so I've had a lot of this um, through my time. But um, you are. It's there's the difference between designing posters and making posters for the fans and then making them for the general audience right. and what's going to stand out on billboards as you're driving past really fast and stuff like that. Mm. So I can see where they're coming from well, and I can see why it well, would now, work. Well, nowadays, what's the icon on Netflix look like? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Well, it changes according to the user is my understanding. Uh, weirdly, like the Netflix stuff will display different images based on what you've been watching. Yes, it does. They do A/B testing and all that stuff. But yeah, um, you know, and there's minimalist and there's stark, but there's also just uh, boring. And um, I, I feel I feel like the the Bond stuff too often falls into the latter category. I think the thing that cheesed a lot of people was off. They had six months between right. <laughs> the delay and everything, and it's like that's that's what you came up with in six months, right? But in reality, we all know that a lot of these were just the, the designs that got rejected the first time around, right? <laughs> um, all right, K's. This is a tough one. Who's got a K? I do. All right. Kissing Ben Affleck on the red carpet was to be avoided at the premiere. <laughs> and so rumor has it that Anna Del Armas was asked to walk the carpet alone or for Ben Affleck not to show up. So kissing <gasps> was controversial. Mm. Is, that, is, that, is that a headline? It yeah. was a yeah. real thing. Real <laughs> yeah, I yeah. didn't yeah. that up. It's real. It was it was the Sun or Daily Mail or one of those. Yeah, I, I could actually see that the kernel of truth to that. Yeah, but knowing MGM, it was probably they were, no, we can't afford Ben Affleck's airfare. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike A was kicking the can down the road, which is <laughs> rather than making a decision in a timely fashion, leaving it right to the last minute. Yep. Sorry, DHL. Yes. And everybody else. Um, my, my K, I went for um, killing Leo the lion. And this was, this was a thought I had. Um, <laughs> if, MGM gets, if MGM gets bought out, will, will Leo the lion be no more? It's going to go to retirement safari park. <laughs> Joe Exotic is going to shoot it in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Any more Ks? K. 
Well, my K would be for uh, Bond's license to kill, which I assume he no longer has in No Time to Die. So I'm curious about all the unsanctioned murders he commits in the film. <laughs> Will they be? It's like, is that going to The Hague? Is that Interpol? Who's handling all of Bond's multiple uh, felonious murders in this film? Well, well, he seems to get recruited by Felix. So is that gone? Does that does he become uh, the responsibility of the U.S. government? Hmm. Or does the secretary disavow any knowledge yeah, of that? Yeah, I, I feel like we have a history of knowing like that the, the U.S. government will not will let you do it. <laughs> they will not come save you. It's not happening. <laughs> They'll just pardon you later on. Right. Depends on who you got at the top there. You might get a pardon. Yeah. You know, you can, you can, be, a, you can be a member of a private security firm, commit murder, and get pardoned, apparently. This is the most yes. cynical episode we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, L, I'm going to throw out Lost Adventures, the new great book by Mark Edlitz, yeah. which was a fantastic release in 2020 for Bond. It has a really All lovely cover. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's fine. Sean, I, I, went for the, I went for the Dalton Snap version. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a choice. I didn't see the gun until after I got my copy, uh, which has Dalton getting snapped. Yeah. I, I see. I, really I, had, I had... I didn't know there were going to be two covers because I was just doing them as options and then it just kind of happened and I was like, oh, oh, wow. So, so I got to... But the actual book, no, you, you guys are right, but the actual book is fantastic. Um, yeah. And I was saying somewhere before, there's the... Uh, the I, so I didn't know lots about the book beforehand, but the interview that really impressed me was the one with the guy who was the understudy for the dancer for the For Your Eyes Only Oscars performance. Oh, right. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. The deep cut. Uh, uh, my, my L was going to be uh, Lashana Lynch and just uh, how much mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing her being 007. Um, I think we're allowed to say that now, considering that it's been... In the official trailers. In the official trailers. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I don't think that's much of a spoiler, but... Um, I would say that, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what she brings um, to the role. And I really think it's uh, one of the most exciting things, I think, about uh, No Time to Die for me. So, um, and just a word on the, the critics and the criticism that has been leveled. Um, you're on the wrong side of history and you're living in the past. Right. Speaking of living in the future, GQ awarded her breakthrough artist for Roller No Time to Die, even though the film didn't come out. <laughs> Not work in 2020, but I'm the uh, I, I agree. I see. I agree with what Ben just said, but I have it under a different letter. Should I just sort of like throw it out now, or should I come back? Yeah, it's right out. Now. No, right now. Well, it's you know the. Uh, I've said elsewhere, but Craig's entire run has been about throwing things at Bond that he's never encountered before. It's like filling in the blanks of. Of like, right. what don't we see this character do? And uh, I think you know what's more fitting than presenting him with his own replacement. Uh, that's just not something we've seen before. And uh, whether that idea is explored to its full potential or not is something we have to have some faith on. Uh, but in the column of like giving Bond new things to react to, it's, I think it's a pretty exciting one. Mm. Um, I have a. I just want to say I have a Pop Funko right here as well. She's got a really <laughs> shiny gold. <laughs> so there you go. Um, I do. I have an L. Um, uh, we've talked about it already. 
Um, but mine is listening to Billie Eilish without earmuffs 152 <laughs> times. Um, so No Time to Die topped my Spotify unwrapped. Oh. And I've listened to it 152 times this year. Well, do you like it? Um, <laughs> it. <laughs> um, What's the verdict? It's, it's, it, it'll do. <laughs> That's great. Um, but I, I, I think I had it on a loop again a, a lot while I was working on my No Time to Die fan art. Right. So. Fair enough. Uh, my L is learning curve, and it's the learning curve of the marketing machine uh, tr- trying to figure it out as they went along uh, in, in a very, I guess, you know what? No, they don't get full. They don't get a pass for this because most of these uh, hiccups were in 2019 before the pandemic. But the, yeah. the uh, sort of clusterfuck of the GoldenEye live event uh, was not the right foot to get off on, although right. it should have been. It's a really great idea. Um, and they just kind of, they didn't have, they didn't have it in place. Not having the title to drop sort of neutered that a little bit, I think. Um, yeah. Not having a microphone check. Yeah, hurt. Not, you know, uh, putting, putting, <laughs> not, a, having, not, not having their facts straight. Putting a, a, Yeah. Host in place who didn't really know the, the franchise, you know, that's a problem generally. But the, the pivot towards sort of embracing how social media reacts to stuff and responds to stuff I thought was interesting, especially in the two non-trailer pieces of promotion that we got. That, that Jamaican B-roll thing that they dropped with the mm-hmm. who shot this on it, that, that was really exciting when it happened because we didn't know yeah. it was coming. We had no expectations to brush up against it or be disappointed by it. It was just this new kind of thing that they had not presented before in that, in that way. And that was really pretty cool. Uh, and then <clears throat> the uh, you called it Fukunaga's ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought that was equally sort of uh, just exciting, uh, and it was very short. But um, you know, they, they it was like they started to figure it out, and watching them figure it out in real time, absent a movie to enjoy, was kind of a fun pastime this year. Yeah, I, I have a sad feeling they've abandoned it. Yeah, we'll see. And they're going to double down on traditional marketing campaign. I mean, how many more trailers can there be? I have an L. Mm-hmm. Um, launching podcasts. I think that this year has seen many, many new yes. podcasts on James Bond. Um, just look up James Bond on Apple Music or Spotify and you will find that. Um, lots of people have put together their own podcasts and there's a, a huge, I think, desire. There was a, is, was a desire for fans to share their fandom, people to share their knowledge at a time when we were very sort of insulated and isolated. So podcasting, I think, became a way to connect people together. Mm-hmm. So launching podcasts is definitely a 2020 Bond thing. Yes, and not just for Bond, pretty much anything, yeah. right? Sure. Yeah. Well, my, my M kind of ties into that. So go for it. can I go for it? So my M, yeah, I've gone for making new friends. Oh. Aww. Which is a shout out to all you guys and everyone in the Bond community has just been really lovely this year i've i've found a place in that community which has been really really nice um but also the admiration i've got for everyone including you guys who've because we've have we have a bond gap we've we've all mm-hmm. kind of collectively filled that gap to keep bond on everyone's minds that's sure. that's such a i don't think any other property or fan base really has that sort of same spirit in the way well, that you right. Sean, can, can I just say that, you know, <clears throat> as I live in a couple of worlds here, the, the, the horror world that I work in, there's a lot of very entitled voices who just sort of show up and demand a seat at the table and, and 
aren't even clear on what it is they're bringing to the table and just sort of want to be included. And it's almost like the content is secondary to them wanting to be part of the thing without ever making their intentions clear on what it is they're bringing to it. But you just sort of showed up out of nowhere with, and you just let your work speak for itself and people found you. And, and, yeah. and I, I, I just love your aesthetic and your eye and, and the, the sort of kind of left field approach you take to a lot of those things, like those, those, uh, those vintage paperbacks that you did and whatnot. And it's just, it was just a fresh, uh, color in the crayon box i would say you know you, you just showed up with something new and not attitude and whatnot and then once people heard you talk and, and interact with us you're just delightful so you know I, we're we're enriched by your presence oh thank you yeah. thank you so much but also i need to say thank you to you guys for that and for inspiring that work and how your watch alongs i've listened to them all year this year i've listened to all of those and they've kept me company because i've been in isolation on my own since march Ooh. So sure. you, you guys have kept me going. The community's kept me going. So thank you. And I apologize, Sean, for Tim Dalton's fat fingers. Oh, that, that, <laughs> that's my tea. That is my tea. <laughs> yeah, I got an M. M for Mr. Bean, who back, who back in February conducted the No Time to Die performance at the Brit Awards. <laughs> I think it was Hans, Zim Hans Zimmer in disguise. My, my M is we got to really see MGM's very true colours in terms of uh, them gambling with other people's uh, advertising budgets slash money um, and fans' expectations um, right the way along to, you know, taking down the GoldenEye watch-along with Kafka uh, <laughs> uh, Jensen. And, um, well, my... and only doing half the job because yeah. the IGN one's still up. Yeah. So, you know, it's... There, I mean, I'm, we've we've talked about this a lot, and I'm sure most fans are uh, by now aware that um, yeah, the whole the whole idea that it was going to get released, you know, times that I was going to be released back in November, was really a gamble by MGM and a gamble being done with other people's money, um, and yeah, so I think we've seen we've seen some true colours from MGM, and uh, no, I for one am not. Not too, not too uh, disheartened to sort of maybe see them exit. <laughs> my M is very petty. Uh, <laughs> my M is uh, John, Johnny Marr, who is collaborating on the score with Hans Zimmer. And, you know, I'm sure Johnny Marr will do a fine job and whatnot, but I, I get a perverse thrill out of the idea that, you know, one of my other favorites from back in the 80s, Morrissey, who's turned into this sort of hateful, xenophobic crank. Yes. I, I and who is very vocally against uh, the British Empire and, and everything that sort of the, the Bond franchise probably represents. I, I get a little thrill out of the idea that his bandmate is, his former bandmate is scoring this thing that he probably despises. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little thing. You, know, you take them where you can get them. Which, uh, which uh, will, will make you laugh when I say what I call my N, which is November spawned a monster. <laughs> um, well done. <laughs> Which was really just the uh, yeah that whole um, shitty power move by MGM and obviously an end to Trump, but that was that was yeah that was what I was calling it. <laughs> Any more M's then before we move on to N? I do. Mm -hmm. um, in honor of Calvin Dyson, who's not here, my M is Moonraker, and a lot of attention placed on whether or not Dolly has braces. Controversy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I thought of when I saw M. <laughs> Just it'll never die, will it? Never gonna go away. Uh. <laughs> All right, moving on to ends. 
Um, I'll go again. Please. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say never say never again. Yeah. And we expanded our watch alongs to include non-Eon films. And it was the first time that I've seen it. And I actually enjoyed it. And I loved Fat of a Blush. And um, I'm glad that we were able to share our ideas with with others and, and expand our own perspective. So I really, I thought that that was really great. And I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it too when we watched it. Really? It was, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, well, we were coming off the back of doing Casino Royale 67. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a low bar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my end is the, the, the November release that did not happen, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, right. I, I, I literally sat there in September and October thinking about how I was going to navigate the movie opening in November and like, am I going to, am I going to cover myself in PPE and go to try to go to a 9am screening? My poor sainted wife was looking into buying out a whole theater. Like we, oh, these are the things we were thinking about. And, you know, obviously coming off of the idea that we had tickets to go to London in April that went away. Uh, right. Not not as bad, but it was just a source of anxiety, and it was taking this thing that I was very excited about, this thing that we should be very excited about, and it may, it was making me miserable. Um, so I'm I'm honestly like grateful for the November uh, push when it happened. The November 2020 push. Yeah, it happens in November <laughs> 2021 and pushes again. I'm, I will be less grateful. Um, my end, it's it's kind of really it's quite specific, but my end is no time to watch repeats. And this comes from this very start of the year when No Time to Die was going to come back out in February. Um, yeah. Odeon here in the UK were doing a sort of event where you could vote. I don't know if it was just for like their their like membership scheme. Um, you could vote on your two favorite James Bonds and then the two favorite James Bond films for each cinema. So as voted by the people in that area, yeah. were then going to be re- repeated and rescreened. And then mm-hmm. that just kind of vanished. And I was looking, I was really looking forward to see them, but I was also really looking forward to seeing the results and seeing right. what would end, end up making it to the big screen. And trying to find the one cinema that would inevitably be playing Dine of the Day somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're very hopeful. <laughs> All right. Okay. Moving on to O's. I have an obscure one, which is O's for Olga Kurilenko. Hmm. It was the first Bond cast member to come out and go public that she got coronavirus yeah. so much. Uh, See, my, I told you, my, my, list was a, my list was all negative bummer stories. <laughs> for mine, I have an organization that's actually called Spectre, um, has filed <laughs> patents for torpedoes and fusion <gasps> reactors. And so like the last couple days of 2020, I discovered that Spectre exists. So... Right. Lisa, where, where did you find this news? Where? Uh, somebody, I know people who are patent lawyers and, and patent professors. And so somebody tagged me in somebody else's post. And then I just retweeted it. That an organization that's actually called Spectre yeah. has filed. And I, there's other things in there too. I can't remember what else was in there, like certain guns and stuff like that. But like they, they filed for a fusion reactor. Spectre. Awesome. I- I love the idea that Blofeld might be like might be like being that on the nose, and he's like, "If we do it in plain sight, they'll never suspect that we're actually <laughs> <laughs> hiding in plain sight." Um, my O is for um, Observatory becomes method actor, and that, of course, is the um, the Arasib right. Observatory recreating the end of Goldeneye for us. Really, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. 
Well, life imitating art, I suppose. Speaking of like downers, uh, O for open letter. (laughs) (laughs) That really kicked the year off to a good one for me and David. Wow. Yeah, nothing like a few casual death threats to start the year. The The funny thing about that was I was at breakfast on the 4th of March and a friend of mine who I went to school with, I mean, we're talking like you know, 20 plus years ago, WhatsApp me a screenshot on the BBC News saying, was this you? Well, wow. <laughs> <I'm like, laughs> oh, I guess it gets around. <laughs> Any positive O's? Uh, you know, it's, it depends how you look at it, but the, 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 this, this phrase that became this sort of petulant uh, badge of honor or protest or gauntlet thrown, but only in theatre. Or, uh, or cinemas yeah. if, uh, for some of you folks yeah um you know it, it it's it's it was such a passive aggressive kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. shitty uh but you know taken to its extreme that's that's the position that eon has taken for no time to die right and yes and so that sentiment is, is becomes a little less uh denier <laughs> and uh and, and a little more like uh, a, a mission of intent where they're they're going to wait this out. They're they're not trying to force you into theaters like Christopher Nolan. They're 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 telling you, and you know people people get talking about the endless delays. And it's like they delayed a couple of times since COVID twice, right? Um, yeah, and it and probably a third coming. But um, I don't know. I I for one have a, appreciate that they aren't they haven't been kicking the can down the road every two weeks the way Tenet did, and. Um, and I, I think the idea of only in theaters is is going to become this interesting sort of archaeological thing it, it, as we look back on the right. era. Of- what was the last movie poster with only in theaters written on it? Yes, right. yes exactly. You get it. And and the, to follow up on that, Phil, is um, only in theaters except drive-ins because fuck you and your safety, Chris Nolan. <laughs> like that to me was like the ultimate finger at the audience yeah. was only in theaters, but not drive-ins. Yeah. How bad do you really want Tenet? Right. I'm going to make you pay for it. Yes. All right. Hey, uh, let's, do, let's, do the obvious, let's do the obvious one first, which Phoebe, is posters. Phoebe, I, I was Phoebe. Even more obvious. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, yeah. yeah. Who, who, in addition to everything else that's been said about her, um, mm-hmm. has got to be, this has got to be the first time in a Bond movie where a writer has been like part of the promotional station. Yeah. On that front, you know, Phil, you said earlier, like the longer this sits on the shelf, are we going to see like, the impact of these choices kind of go different ways. Like Anadamas is going to be a bigger star than Daniel Craig by the time this comes out and people are going to be like WTF when they see the film. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering the other way, Phoebe Waller-Bridge hasn't got any projects coming out either I know of in the next year. So is her star going to be waning when this film comes out and they won't be able to attach the same kind of like cachet to it? Well, you know, uh, the other thing is, is in what way will the machine use her, right? What, We've we've heard her name attached to it, and a couple of print mags have asked her questions. But is this the kind of thing that you would send a screenwriter onto a talk show about? Which would be maybe unprecedented. But if I was doing that, I would certainly consider sending Phoebe out to promote No Time to Die on like the, the talk yes. shows, right? Yep. Uh, and, and then it's a win win in terms of, of oh, we haven't seen Phoebe in a while, and then she's hilarious on a talk show, and and, and right. that helps her, and that helps the movie, and and fans of hers are excited to see her. Um, but yeah, she's got a little bit of a fallow period happening, earned, I would say. Um, yeah. And um, it'll be interesting to see how big of a part of it she is, 
because I, I think if they were smart, they would make her part of the promotion. And I don't know if that's a different negotiation with her managers or whatnot. Like, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, if you're appearing in a film, you contractually, you've got to go do these shows and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Certainly a screenwriter is not signing something like that uh, normally. So I wonder how that plays out. Mm. So my P was posters. So thank God for your work, Sean, in the poster. Um, I mean, I, section I'm, still just, fandom I'm still just working on my list here of like spin-off posters. Yeah. Right. I want the little tie boy <laughs> from Man with the Golden Gun. <laughs> and triumphantly holding that wooden elephant in the air in the center. And all of the action. <laughs> and, the, and then in the background, you have like a really menacing face of uh, Sheriff J.W. Pepper. Okay. <laughs> Uh, my sentiment for P has been kind of covered already. So real quick, I'll just say postponement. The, the way we've dragged mm. out this anticipation, maybe I'm the only person who feels this way, but you know, I remember the experience I had with Spectre and I certainly enjoyed the uh, excitement and anticipation up to the film more than I enjoyed the film. Uh, so, you know, if, if, if this movie doesn't pan out, then this is the good part. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been the longest. Yeah. You know, it's just sort of, you know, you're just sort of extending the, uh, the anticipation. Uh, I did, I did think, that crossed my mind today, Phil, was like, before we recorded, I was like, had they released it in April like they were going to, we'd have stopped talking about it 90 days later, mm-hmm. right? Pretty much yeah. in the summer. And maybe we'd, and we'd, be, we'd be in this vacuum right now of nothingness. Mm-hmm. Lose touch with each other. It'd be sad. Yeah, just like fold up, close up shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, there's a bright side. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my P is a really random one. And it, it comes back to a little story I think you guys brought up earlier in the year. My P is plenty of plenty. Uh, <laughs> and this is the thing that um, plenty that in that you guys uncovered that the ABC repeat of yeah. Diamonds Are Forever sort of um, censored plenty of two. Yeah. Um, and I just, CGI done on the underwear. Yeah. And I just thought that was really interesting. And for me, opens up a sort of, there's room for a conversation there of what what will be the future of censorship with CGI. How mm. how will we see that implemented? Going, I I wonder if it, if there's looking further down the line if it'll open any ethical conversations about how we look back at actors that were playing different ethnicities and races mm. in early films. Particularly, I was thinking so Doctor No. Would yeah. they, would they ever would there is there ever a point where they might CGI Doctor No so it doesn't look as iffy? Also, he doesn't look as iffy specifically, right? Um, but I just thought that was a really interesting conversation point. Yeah. What are you so you're what you're suggesting like digital yellow face? No, no, the reverse. So oh. do they do they undo it because they think well what we oh. did originally is not okay? I mean, I as uh, from a historical level, I'm against tampering with existing pieces of content uh you know you learn from them you can put disclaimers in front of them if you want to um i i really i'm really against revising uh artworks and whatnot that that kind of, right uh to try to erase history right to even even yeah. the wrongs of yeah. history because like, how the how long before you're then photoshopping like pictures from the holocaust so that grade schoolers can look at them i just think it's already happening so oh fuck well yeah, shows what I know. Well, I'd, I'd like to point out there's also a museum in Texas that's got a saddle and a dinosaur. <laughs> what Disney are doing with Disney Plus in places, so they they 
photoshopped Daryl Hannah's hair in Splash, so it was covering covering her bum. Yeah. There's a shot where you can see her bum in a very, very, very bad uh, way. Um, and yeah, then, it, it, it's more like they erased the ass crack rather than covered it. Mm-hmm. So she's yeah. got like a weird non non human butt. Uh, and I think there was also I I noticed. <laughs> to be fair, she's a mermaid. <laughs> Well, she, uh, <laughs> she transforms into human when she's on land, but whatever. I am super uh, uncomfortable so discussing mermaid's anatomy on the podcast. <laughs> so they, um, there's a photo. There's a photograph of Ian Fleming standing on the beach. Yes, on the cover of that book, which is being famously altered to uh, erase the black guy raking the beach next to him. Yeah, right, um, and that. You know, that, that's where kind of sensitivity meets sort of censorship. And at a certain point, you've got to say, like, why, why is, are, you ta- are you erasing this for, for what reason? But I also think maybe to pick up on Ben's line, there, there's a difference possibly between, um, say, covering up a, a portion of somebody's body for, like, say, purposes of, say, nudity and censorship but you're not actually mm. changing the identity of the person versus changing somebody's race and, 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 and their depiction or completely removing them. And I think what Ben was trying to get is like, there's a significance to that component happening as, as well, like completely taking away somebody because they're of a particular race in a photo that has a different type of, of significance than say painting on a pair of, of underwear. I'm not saying any right. of it's okay. And I'm, I definitely, um, I'm a strong advocate with what Phil was saying about not erasing portions of our history. I think we need to learn how to have concrete conversations about media representations. And we have to be able to learn how to be comfortable with having this type of discourse instead of putting a Band-Aid solution. We'll just erase it and everything's going to be fine. I think that we're not learning the actual lessons and we're not talking about right. the conversations we should have. So I think that I think it's a really complicated conversation that that Sean is 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 raising. All right. Um, all right, who wants to go with Q? Oh, can I do my P first? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll show Mine... you back in five minutes. Then. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is deeply personal, but I wanted to give a tip of my hat to my puppy galore. Um, oh. And the fact that a lot of us have animals that have definitely provided us with comfort, but I feel as though my dog is a lot more famous than I am. <laughs> People seem to like to see my dog. <laughs> and he definitely, you... pardon me? Did you? Did you do that um, post a picture of yourself with somebody slightly more famous than you meme? No. Oh, you totally should now. <laughs> yeah, well, I will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think animals have done a world of, of, of good. And I feel as though in this pandemic, um, my dog has definitely won out. He, he's gotten a, very, a lot of love and attention, so mm. as, as he should. Well, but my, my, my dog uh, is called Finn, so it is a, it is a P as well, P-H-I-N-N. And although he isn't um, as well known or loved as Justice, um, he's certainly made himself known on several of the watch-alongs. Yes, he has. So um, <laughs> just a shout-out to his shouting out. Um, <laughs> thanks very much. All right, cue time. So I was going to say um, Ben Wishaw's uh, difficult journey. Um, I don't know if many people have read that little bit of info where he said that he had a difficult time filming No Time to Die because um, 
because he didn't get a full script and he got right. the sequences out of order. So uh, I think he's been very diplomatic about it. And I think he's also not making a particularly big, I think people are making a big, bigger deal out of this than it actually needs to be. But um, I think his, his feeling is that he doesn't really have much to say on, on the story because he doesn't fully know it. Mm. Can I point out something which is I, I found out the other day because I was going through some translations of Japanese coverage of No Time to Die from back in March when they thought it was going to come out in April. Mm. Um, and there's an interview with Barbara Broccoli in one of the magazines, and she says Q is the best role in this film. <laughs> and yet he doesn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Nobody told Ben Wishaw, yeah. apparently. <laughs> Well, mine's connected, so I just wanted to say <clears throat> it's it's not as it's not as uh, deeply felt or anything. But the the uh, we talk about uh, merch and whether or not not they know who's buying their stuff and whatnot. But uh, in the in the delays and whatnot, Q's Swatch Watch has, yeah. has sold out twice. They did a second edition, yeah. uh, something you know like Omega could never get away with doing, right? Um, but it speaks right. to the idea that the the right product at the right price point is almost bulletproof from delays, economic instability, unemployment issues, and whether or not the film is any good. And uh, I think that's something we're thinking about when, when this company is, is marketing uh, 007 branded merch to its base. Uh, there's a lesson here in, in this, this sort of perfect storm of, of something that's affordable and attainable and, and repeatable um, yeah. to, to an audience that really is eager to buy this stuff, even when the economy is yeah, and although although tied to the film, doesn't say no time to die in it, right? It's just Q's watch from the film, it, yeah, and it's uh, Q on it, which is yeah, not screen accurate, right? <laughs> but it's cute, um, and um, it did promote it as designed by the costume designer and whatnot. And uh, I don't know if it has the film's logo on it. I think mine goes a little bit off of yours, where I feel like mine is like questionable marketing and, and products <laughs> for, for James Bond. Like I feel as though some of them, like you say, are are they hit right? It's the right confluence of elements and then so many of them did not and the timing of the rollout for so many of these products did not did not do well as, as well right i feel like there's a lot of questionable stuff happening and every now and then they get it right mm -hmm. but yeah. i feel as though with this particular year so much of it went wrong and typically when you think about like merchandising for, for a film it should be the other way where most of it goes right but like a couple items go wrong i feel as though it's yeah. been the exact opposite this, this year Oh. In two years, that octopusy robe is going to be huge. Fortieth <laughs> <laughs> anniversary. All right, move. Should we move on to R? Let's. All right. So obviously, I'm just going to get this one out of the way so nobody else can use it. Release dates. <laughs> so let's just. All right. Any any other R's? And my R is. I have one. Oh, sorry. Go on, Lisa. <laughs> sorry, mine. Mine is very quick. Reading MI6 Confidential magazine. Oh. I, throw that. I literally was this morning. I was going through like the Sean Connery issue and I'm like, ooh, people that I know writing about Bond rather than just talking about Bond. So it was like an interesting moment I had this morning. And then I'm like, R, reading MI6 Confidential. You you should all get your subscription today. Nice. Lisa, five bucks well spent. <laughs> <laughs> um, my R was, uh, was just that Renard probably just had COVID all along. Because <laughs> still, <laughs> I think it makes you strong. Okay. I almost fed up my drink. <laughs> Can we give him two points for that one? Yes, we okay. <laughs> no, was good. It's patient zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
my R is a, is a controversial one, maybe considering we just talked about how much we love Q and whatnot. But uh, my R is for retcon or retroactive continuity, something mm-hmm. in the comic book world that, that uh, became a thing, but something this franchise might look into returning to. The, uh, mm-hmm. the gradual reintroduction of, the, of Money Penny and Q was, I, I thought, some of the most exciting parts of Skyfall, watching those pieces kind of come back into place. Mm-hmm. But, but Mendez cast the role so strongly and so well. Uh, I, and of course, I mean um, Naomi Harris and Ben Wishaw. Although yeah. they try to take credit for Tanner in, in an EPK and no one called him out on it. Uh, right. But hey, um, <clears throat> but he cast those roles so well and so strongly that the characters refuse to be sidelined. And that runs the risk of sort of clogging the pipeline story-wise. Uh, yes. And I think we saw that to some degree, Inspector. And I think that yes. you No know, Time to Die is doubling down on this with Madeline and Brofeld coming back. And uh, that stuff all makes me nervous. It gets... It, it, <laughs> I can't have invented Brofeld. Come on. There's <laughs> 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 um, nothing freeing about the MI6 of Quantum having just nothing aesthetically in common with the MI6 of Casino Royale. Uh, right. And I, 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 I want to return to sort of that less bogged down continuity of the franchise. Yeah. I agree. It's the one thing that, um, you know, Phil and I have had discussions uh, off uh, this about which is the the you know and, and where we kind of like differ on our views kind of i like i really like having a solid kind of sense of continuity for for the films and you know i got my my big bugbear about the, the db5 and all of that and uh, phil phil has put forward a very convincing argument for me to kind of get over myself so uh, <laughs> i I, uh, I appreciate i appreciate uh, that conversation phil i meant to I meant to say more of course no and, and I've, I've been in those shoes and i've understood like the frustration of things not fitting and, and and things disregarding something that happened before but i think that ultimately you're owed a good film between the opening and the end credits and um doing all of this gymnastics to try to cram it into an existing continuity never seems to pan out narratively yeah uh-huh. <laughs> i, I... me getting very upset about the fact that the uh, the invitation said 2008 uh <laughs> you know for green planet <laughs> thing and then it's like, at the start of the film it's 2006 and what is he it's like you're, you're right i shouldn't I, sh- I should just let the film happen and be enjoyable my other r was runtime <laughs> which was rumored at being three hours and carrie fukunaga says nothing close it's two hours and 65 minutes <laughs> 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 which i think Titan- didn't titanic pull that shit on the poster where they had like oh, more two hours and 65 minutes or something versus saying it's three hours because they didn't want to put people off but yeah run times because that was a big is, story that came out in the is year. that what we're gonna do for this podcast james that's yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> this should be easy s spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in a world where no time to die exists uh, on the virtual shelves of trailer houses, spec houses, uh, voiceover houses, and uh, you know, Senses. pretty much everywhere, um, and there's all of this information that is uh, publicly available uh, on the film, uh, it seems amazing to me that uh, you know a Bond news website should report uh, on Bond news with a spoiler tag and still get the the, the response that it we got for that <laughs> well I'll, I'll tell you what uh there are some bond fans 
who take the position that something in the press release is a spoiler. It's well, <laughs> it, it reminds me in a way of that, that line that, you know, they say, um, you know, the food here is terrible. And somebody says, yes, and in, in such small portions. And <laughs> it, it's, got, it's got that vibe of, of like, well, yeah, that's, I mean, you know, you're quite happy to take, <laughs> you know, other news and quite happy to visit the website and all the rest of it. But uh, I, I, I personally come from a standpoint of like, once it's out there, it's kind of out there and if people can connect the dots and that's, that's one thing. As long as you put spoiler alerts on things and I know that, um, that MI6 has. Um, so, you know, if, if someone else is then going to, a third party is then going to run with that, you know, like another news source like the Guardian. Like the Daily Express. Yeah, is going to then go not use that. Um, that shouldn't come back on the person that did. It felt, uh, it felt very um, targeted. It's cancel, cancel culture of 2020. Yeah, it felt, it, felt, it felt particularly targeted. And I think that, that, and I think that ties into the, the open letter and everything. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, my ass kind of follows on from that one, and we've touched on it already anyway, but I've just got, she's not James Bond. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> 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 Bonus point, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I've, I've wanted to scream that so many times. Um, but I, I'm, I'm so bloody, I'm so excited for the sun. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait either. I think she's going to be amazing. I think, you know, as I said earlier, I think one of the, Main main draw cards for, for me for this movie. I, obviously, I'd be watching it anyway, but I think she's going to be um, she's going to be one of the more interesting aspects of it. Suspenders. I'm tired of seeing suspenders on James Bond. <laughs> Enough. I get it when they're under the dinner jacket, but now they're on pants with belt loops, and now they're part of a tactical outfit. Let's, let's, let's hang up the suspenders. They're, they're, called, they're called braces in, in the UK. and Yeah, uh, but uh, and then Calvin's going to show up because I said braces. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doing my best. Do my best here, guys. Yeah. Let's do Dolly Never Wore Suspenders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's Photoshop suspenders on her and call them yeah. off. Um, I'll add it to the list. <laughs> Photoshop them off yours and say he never wore them. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just take 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 them off of Jaws and put them on Dolly. Dolly, yeah. <laughs> do you have an S? I do. Uh, my S was Superman as Bond. Rumors of Henry uh, Cavill uh, being the next mm. James Bond sort of ran rampant. Fuck that guy. This past year, so whether I'm not I'm not supporting it. I'm just saying I hear a lot about is it going to be him? Too famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I thought the same thing. I was so I was commissioned by Digital Spy earlier in the year. They ran a poll with their readers, um, and they voted Henry Cavill as most likely to be next Bond. So I was commissioned to do a poster for him. But you guys are up to right, yeah. I mean, I feel like if you seeing how there's a, still a movie in the chamber, right? Even if we counted it as this year, uh, no one knew who Daniel Craig was in 2002 when Die Another Day came out. Right. That's that's the metric for me. Like as just yeah. Brosnan aside, because he had that whole, you know, thwarted first attempt. Uh, I don't think that there's an awareness of who the next bond is yet. That person is uh, toiling away on cable television. Yeah, I just I it's not just about how 
how well known he is or how famous he is. I just don't like him for Bond. He might he might look the part. You know, I think he does. I mean, he's he's obviously a very handsome man and physically kind of uh, you know he 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 could follow on from Craig, uh, which is you know big boots to fill. Um, we well, gotta blame the Man from Uncle reboot not being a success on someone. <laughs> Yeah. I'll let you get away with that one. <laughs> uh, I had S for streaming, mm. which ain't going to happen. <laughs> Fair enough. The other, the other S I had was uh, Super Bowl ad, which was oh, a great, yeah. great use of money. <laughs> yeah. Well, it would have been for a April 2020 release. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, man. Well, Even a tr- yeah. Was that the one with the tagline? Bond 25 will change everything. Yes. yes. Will it? Yes. Just not the way they meant. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, moving on. We're going to wrap this up with some power. All right, T. Um, I got Timothy, we love you despite your fingers. <laughs> um, Very good. You, you guys ruined Timothy Dalton for me, but I really do think there's a Timothy Dalton renaissance going on right now, which is Yes, great. there is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have 295 pounds for a Bella Freud jumper. <laughs> <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> no. My tea is take a trip to somewhere besides Italy. <laughs> Daniel Craig's, here's some stat for you. Daniel Craig's Bond has been to Italy seven times. Yep. Lake Como twice. Venice, Siena, Lake Garda, Rome, Matera. Connery went yep. once. Lazenby, Dalton, and Brosnan together, zero. And Dalton has to go right. to Florida. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair. It's, it's, uh, it's out of whack. Italy is now as boring a locale as Jamaica is an exciting one, and there's a reason for that. Right. So, so what, if, what if they take the bridge background that they've CGI'd and they put Canada there instead? Yeah. Oh. Just come to Canada instead. I want to see Lisa's house in the background. Well, they, they tried to, but I believe that well. <laughs> Yeah, but to be fair, Canada was going to be standing in for Russia, so oh. no, would it count? Have no. Canada be there for Canada? Canada stands in for everything. There's a meme that I, I posted where it's like Canadians watch pretty much like American movies and stuff because they're all shot in Canada or a bunch of them are, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, I live near here." All right, yeah. like, looking up landmark stuff. So my tea was TV spots. Like, if you join them all together, do you get the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Uh, I think you need about another 25. <laughs> well, we might get them. <laughs> Hang in there. There's certainly, um, if, you, if you go onto YouTube and uh, I think there is like a supercut of the trailer, like there's enough, there's enough information in there to kind of really tell the story uh, when they put it kind of chronologically. It's kind of, you, you see a lot. <laughs> sure. Yeah. All right, uh, you. I'm going to say UHD releases. Oh, I, I had that same one. I put U, ah. UHDs that I told myself I wouldn't buy, but yet here I am right. sat with a pile <laughs> of them next to me. <laughs> See, we weren't doing numbers. I thought I'd do UHD rather than 4K because it is actually UHD and it's not 4K. And yeah, and again, why release them so late in the year? MGM, come on, guys. You could have had it at the start of the pandemic and made more money. I, I just don't understand why there's no news at all about a general box set. 
because they cancelled the Fox contract when Fox got bought by Disney. Well, they didn't cancel it. They didn't renew it. They let it expire. They let it expire because Fox got bought by Disney and MGM didn't want to go into partnership with Disney. Where do you guys land on the idea of these transfers not being like uh, the final word? Because I I don't know if I, I think I shared it in a group chat that they've, they framed them differently. And there's like a boom mic now in one of the documentary scenes. Yeah. On these transfers. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know They've, they haven't, what's the, I don't know what the technical term is, but the projectionists would like, they would, there were some filmmakers I read that would deliberately put the boom mics in the edges of shots. I think Sophia Coppola was the most recent one that did it. Um, so that the projectionists would have to frame the film correctly. Yeah. There's, there's hard mat, which means it happens in the camera when they're filming it. And there's open mat, which means that right. they let the projectionist do it. And, you know, it yeah. doesn't always pan out. <laughs> So these things are probably in the open mat and they're just, they've just digitized it as is, right? So, so I was excited about these 4Ks and to some degree, but then I saw like sort of the 4K streaming versions and the, the colors are way mm-hmm. weirder and there's a boom mic in there and then I'm like, well, what am I going to spend this money for? So, so I really dislike 4K streaming anyway. I'm a disc guy because I can, I can see the compression on a 4K stream yeah. and the sound, yeah. you, you're never going to get a, the, a true 5.1 sound through right. streaming. Um, so I haven't I haven't watched any of the 4K streams, but I mm. flipped through the discs very briefly, and what I can see that they, they seem pretty decent. I wonder then if Goldeneye, if that boom mic's back at the top of the frame, then Bill. Yeah, that was an open map. We'll have to check that out. Anybody got any other use? I'm gonna skip. It. I have unexpected friendships that sort oh. of have come from this podcast. So I just wanted to say love you. Oh. Oh, thank you for the very nice thing you said in the last podcast that I wasn't on. <laughs> of course, we were we were giving you some love. Appreciate it. And it was all a hundred percent true story. So, <laughs> talking, yeah. of, talking of which, I'm still waiting for that check to clear, Phil. So, can you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> with your stimulus check. <laughs> Sorry, I had another you, which was universal, and. Oh boy, what I've, I'd love to be a fly in the wall on that Tuesday. Um, <laughs> so the story goes that Universal and MGM were going to have a meeting on Tuesday to discuss whether to push ahead with the movie or not or delay it. And then on Monday, the day before, MGM pulled the power move of dropping the trailer. <laughs> so they took all the air out of the room. I still find that Tuesday. the most amazing. Like, <laughs> the, 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 the goal to do that is just is, right. is unprecedented. Should we do the, all, all the other letters together? Because they're tough ones. V, W, X, Y, and Z. Z. Um, I, I have a V. Um, I put the Voluptuous Vantage, the 007 edition, <laughs> which I thought I, I really like that. I really like the, the new version they've done. Hmm. I, I had Valhalla. Wow. It was more like someone educate me on how showing four different Aston Martins in the film translates to sales for Aston Martin. Do <laughs> they even produce enough of this car to make the product placement attractive? Is it quantifiable in any way? No. And Aston Martin found that out as well as they continue to lose money. Cool. <laughs> We've already talked about my V. My V was the video game. Uh, I, I was gonna, I was gonna throw in a, a W, which is these the watch-alongs um, mm. that you know weren't really a thing sort of for any movies sort of pre pre COVID. I'm sure they did sort of exist, but they weren't really a thing. Um, but you know, 20... I think Mystery Science Theater 3000 is as close. Yeah, and I, I guess 
you know, 2020 was really the the year of the watch along, and I think um, our our watch along uh, watch along has been definitely uh, a big part of of that, and pretty high up the list, I think. Um, and I'm very grateful for being involved in them, and to echo what Lisa said, they've got some great friendships out of it. So. Um, and and having the opportunity to um, to kind of rewatch the films in a slightly different light as well. Mm. Can I piggyback off of that and say, in addition to these watch alongs, I did sort of the watch 007 watch alongs on the weekends of the first I don't know however many months of the pandemic, um, and that people on Twitter are still doing their versions of it. So yeah, um, I think watch alongs. I think Ben is a hundred percent right. Watch alongs worth became a thing and a way for us to connect with each other with a shared text and a shared passion during a really stressful time. My W is for woke bond. <laughs> More like <laughs> Say goodbye to half your fan base, Eon. <laughs> Going to take all the merchandise back to the store. <laughs> Um, no, mine was for Woman Double O, but we talked about it when we talked about Lashana Lynch, so I'm covered there. Um, my W, um, I feel a little bit mean talking about him while he's not here, but I've never done a podcast with him, um, is when will Calvin Dyson review more James Bond Jr.? <laughs> I'm really pushing for it. Well, we, have our, we did a watch along, Sean. You did? So <laughs> we'll be coming out soon. Yeah. It's in the editing bay. It's in the edit bay. Yeah, otherwise known as my computer when I can feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take the easy X, which is Xenia, as uh, Famke Jensen is back doing Bond stuff after 24 years of trying to pretend she didn't <laughs> um, and leaning back into it. Um, so it's, it's the journey. Gemma yeah. will get there. Yeah, in about 14 years. TikTok. <laughs> My ex is for xenophobia, which, which, I assume, which I assume Safin is either an embodiment of or maybe is the country he's from. Right. Like, what, what is that accent? Uh, where is he from? When will this franchise once again go all in on an American villain? Because if you're not going to do an American supervillain in 2020, you're just not paying attention. Right. And American audiences don't give a shit if they... <laughs> Villains American. I don't know why this sensitivity comes around. Yeah, I, I mean, I think 20 years ago, reaction hero movie villain was British. Nobody cared. I do remember, yeah. though, having said that, I do remember when, um, you know, the, the CIA agent who's David Harbour. Um, yeah. Um, Bean. Bean, yeah. Uh, there, there was, at the time, uh, certainly on the forums, uh, a, a, quite a reaction to him being, you know, villainous. So to speak. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call him a villain. I he sucked. There was an anti-American sentiment in that movie through Mark Forster. Yeah, and I think there was there was quite the lines that Mark Forster threw in about like the cost of war and all that, and making the villain pay in euros and all that shit. Yeah. Um, But you know, and then Harbor started to get his star started to rise a little with Stranger Things, and I was joking around on Twitter, but I think you could have you could have reworked Beam if you're gonna. Hang right. on to this continuity anyway. You could have reworked Beam into some sort of formidable villain for, for Bond 25. Well, he could, instead of casting Billy Magnuson, they could have brought Beam mm. back. There you go. Right. He's actually, you know, we, 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 when we did the um, 
uh, questions of like, uh, who would you like to come back? I'd really quite like to see Gregory come back. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's like he was fired by the end of Quantum, right? Yeah. So he would have to like reinvent himself. Like he could have come back as some sort of weirdo politician, I think. I think he's great. Right. And I love David Harbour. I think he's, he's great in everything I've ever seen. Anybody got any X's or Y's? I have X-ray glasses. X-ray glasses. X-ray glasses. We talked about it as a gadget. All right. High energy folks, let's wrap this up. Z's, Z's. Oh, no, I have, I'm sorry, I have, a, I have a Y. I'm sorry to take it back okay. really quick. Uh, my Y is for you only rewrite continuity twice. Uh, and this was, so this was going back to the thing at the start of the year that Kerry Fukunawa was supporting the fan theory that a load of yes. stuff happens in James Bond's head when he's getting oh, drilled, right. Inspector. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to be in the film, right? No, no. 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 Oh, that was him talking shit. <laughs> I am slightly nervous, though, that these ideas do percolate and it takes a little while for somebody else to go, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, let's get Sean Connery back as Kincaid. <laughs> yeah. It, it, somebody actually said that out loud in that room and would not escort it off the premises. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, it, it didn't happen, but it's not great news that the guy that directed the movie thought it was a good idea. Right. <laughs> it's a bit of a smoking gun. I have a Y and a Z, and I'll say them quite quickly. Why I have, when we talked about the yellow paint that seems to be used on a lot of like the technology in the construction sites, and that's a big observation yeah. that we talked about. So that's my Y. And my Z is Zencaster crashes all the time. We <laughs> report on Zencaster, and that is part of our regular experience with James Bond. We, we pay for it too. My Z is Zoom events, huh. which have been a mixed bag in 2020. Especially mm. uh, when they get hacked. Especially going to get hacked with like porn and stuff, right, Bill? Yes, mm. yes. People didn't know how to use passwords and no. stuff back in the day, right. did they? Back, yeah, back in yestermonth. My other one was zzz, which is MGM's decision-making desk. <laughs> <laughs> That's two. <laughs> so are we done did we all shoot our bolts i think we're beyond done all right quality quality right. entertainment yeah it'll be edited down don't worry so in joint last place with eight points bill and ben the flowerpot man yay <laughs> in fourth place 23 points. Newcomer Sean. Hey. I forgot we were doing points. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've been keeping tally chart, yeah. Uh, that's the awkward silences when I was writing things down. Um, in second place, 24 points. Sorry, Lisa, you came second. That's okay. So that's the winner this year uh, with this thing that we will never do again with 25 points. <laughs> Yay. Right. Yeah, well deserved. I didn't know we were competing, and that's the steel woman. Did is see that that is a that is a proof of proof of point that if you do your preparation and research, you, you ten know, minutes you before you come on. <laughs> there it is. I left a bunch off too. Okay, fine. I'll take it. <laughs> You're not even happy with the win. <laughs> I could have done better. I could have had thirty. Should, yeah, could have. Should have had a bigger margin of victory. I'm going to go out to the driveway and yell at myself like the great Santini. I'm the father and I'm <laughs>
All right. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for this painful trip down the alphabet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thanks for having us. Bye. 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 Bye.